We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. You're listening to the first edition of the Rotoviz Overtime podcast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm delighted to be joined on this show by my co host, the co owner of Rotoviz, Mr. Sean Siegel, who you can find on Twitter at FF underscore contrarian. We have lots of things to cover on today's show. We're going to be looking a little bit about camp battles. We're going to be looking in as well to a little bit about game flows from the running back position. And then we're going to touch on some deep sleepers before the end of the show. But Sean, my man, what is up? I'm excited to get this show on the road. How you been doing? Great. Yeah. First show somewhat corresponds with the beginning of training camp. So we have a lot of news that will start to to come fast and furious now. And, you know, it's it's the exciting time of the year that the NFL is upon us. Yeah, it's the time of the year where you, we start to, uh, you know, we're in the off season. We kind of make our projections, make our thoughts, and what's going to happen. And then when the training camp starts, the things happen fast, injuries happen fast, and we have to reevaluate very quickly. So I think the deep sleepers and the camp battles are going to really help us uh, look through that as we go through the off season. I'm just going to tease you a little bit to the listeners. There will be an opportunity for you later on in the show to win yourself a free thirty-five dollar entry to an FFPC league. So more information on that coming up later in the show. We're going to look about some camp battles to get things kicked off and 
there's lots and lots of interesting ones and it's something that we're probably going to touch on over the next couple of weeks there'll be some themes that will spread in through the shows uh, as we move on but the first one uh, you know i'm just going to go off the bat here sean and one that i'm quite interested in is the situation with the Cleveland Browns and the Browns for a change have quite a, an interesting roster a lot of years there were certain pieces uh, that people might have wanted but this year in particular there is some very very nice pieces that you can be projecting for nice fantasy roles but the running back position in particular they drafted uh, Chubb this year in the draft and then they obviously took Carlos Hyde over from the 49ers in free agency and they've Duke Johnson as well Johnson somebody who I've always been quite a fan of uh, you know been that pass catching running back but out of the three guys is there any of them that you see uh, really stepping forward to the four or do you think it's something that we're going to have to see as training camp progresses here yeah well let's let's also tie this into to what we're going to look at a little bit later uh which is this game flow sort of element and one of the things that's very interesting about duke johnson about carlos hyde is they both had a lot of targets last year now for duke johnson this was sort of a normal occurrence he came into the nfl uh with some potential as a LaShawn McCoy type of back, a little bit smaller, but having that hybrid profile, that really hasn't been the case at the NFL level. He hasn't emerged as a runner. He's mostly just been a receiver. The opposite was really true of Carlos Hyde before last year. But in that 49ers offense, the way that it worked with them usually trailing, they needed to also get a lot of those dump-offs to the running back. And that was especially the case before they got Garoppolo in the trade and got him involved. And so we saw a situation last year where Duke Johnson had 73 of his 87 targets while the Browns were trailing and Hyde had 65 of his 84 targets when the 49ers were trailing. These guys were the only two players in the NFL with more than 50 targets and they had well more than 50 targets when their team was trailing. They're now on the same team. So a variety of different things going on there. One is simply that when your team is always trailing, that's when your targets are going to come up. Uh, so I think one of the questions that we have is, you know, are the Browns going to be better? And what will that mean for these guys? So Johnson, I think you know, there's real concern that now you're spitting, you're splitting the pot three ways. And especially if they're better and or if Hyde ends up taking some of those targets. And I think Hyde is really forced into those targets. He was inefficient on those, had uh, receiving fantasy points above expectation that were negative. So he was less uh, efficient than you would expect when he was used as a receiver. So Johnson, I think, is hurt. Hyde, I think, is hurt. Obviously, we see that in the ADPs for these guys, you know, really falling off with the addition of Chubb. Chubb is interesting because he wasn't used much at all as a receiver uh, in college and now moves into this environment where, you know, if the Browns are better, is he going to be the bell cow back? And so I think really looking at that battle between Hyde and Chubb for those sort of grinding carries and sort of low value touches, but even though they're low value, they'll still be helpful to fantasy owners if one of those two guys wins the battle. Do you see someone coming out as the clear winner here? Is perhaps Hyde going to be squeezed from both sides and and lose out almost entirely, or is he going to be the starter and push both of the other guys away? I think yeah, you've kind of hit the nail on the head. I think Carlos Hyde, when he was signed in, earlier in the offseason, we thought you know it's going to be him and Duke Johnson. He's going to have a, you know, a firm role there. But you mentioned the inefficiency last year as well that he did have and uh, you know that's obviously something that has me very very concerned duke johnson you on him signed a three-year contract uh, this offseason which is a positive from that side but if you look at him through his three years uh, in the nfl he's averaged fewer than seven yard or seven carries per game 
in those three seasons but he has got 1700 yards in those three seasons as well through the air so it's pretty much through the air in the hunt for duke and uh you know he's only 24 so there is still that role so i think carlos hyde is going to lose out in the receptions based on the efficiency and then they took job early in the draft as well and i think i think that if you look at him as a runner i think i like what he does more than hyde coming into the league i did like what i seen from carlos hyde but with chubb at this moment in time i think you know just the the younger legs and everything is going to be something that i, I think chubb ends up winning those early down roles now we see duke and on third down i think is that kind of what you're hinting at as well sean i think so and and really what we're looking for here is with the addition of jarvis landry with the potential for josh gordon to play a larger role although that's a little bit up in the air i still think people should hope for and be open to the idea that Corey Coleman, if he stays on the team, could finally emerge. So you had this offense that could go from being very pedestrian to fairly dynamic. And then you're looking at this battle, which the Browns insist is not a battle, between Tyrod Taylor and the number one overall pick in the draft at quarterback. Do you see any of that moving? And does Tyrod Taylor give the offense the upside, these individual fantasy players the upside to be useful in fantasy this year i think uh similar to what i meant to touch on with hyde as well was the the contract hyde signed just kind of more you know you have him for 2018 and then next year uh you know the, there's no real uh, guarantees going forward that means you have to keep him on the roster i think it's a similar situation with tyrod taylor and i think taylor starts the season i don't think there's much doubt in my mind about that but when you take somebody with that first overall pick you know and with how the browns have done in recent years if you start off you know oh and two oh and three there's definitely gonna be those calls to get him out there and i i like what mayfield done this time in college and i actually think he helps this team more and tyro taylor for all the stuff he's done in the nfl has uh one of the better deep balls in the nfl but when you look at him in terms of efficiency on the shorter passes and that there's uh, issues there with his passing game so a lot of his work is done uh, in the run game and then with the deep pass off play action as well so i think for the team i think uh, as a as a fantasy kind of entity i think we're better to see baker mayfield there but it's going to be one of those cases how the team starts i, I think the team is going to be kind of patient and try and give him some time to, to get ready so uh, i think it's another case we see we see tyrod in 2018 and then uh, you know when we go past that into 2019 i think that's when we really see baker mayfield have an opportunity in this offense but for 2017 unfortunately and i i was always somebody who targeted tyrod taylor uh late in drafts over the last couple of years and just this year it's not so i think he's going to actually hold this team back yeah i think he's perhaps a better reality quarterback in some ways than fantasy quarterback He's actually a strong fantasy quarterback as well. It's more the other players on the team. Uh, he is not a great fantasy quarterback for. If you look at the fantasy production, it's going to be based on uh, deep deep completions and running the ball. Uh, you know, it's not going to be based on what he's actually uh, doing for himself. It's a lot of, to do with the other players are going to do for him. Yeah, and looking at two other quarterback battles that i think are interesting and might even be more battles for this season we have the arizona cardinals the new york jets both of them took early quarterbacks and unlike mayfield who hasn't necessarily generated a lot of buzz in the early going uh sam darnold someone who is actually expected or may have the slight advantage to win the position there josh rosen uh not necessarily expected to take the field on week one over sam bradford but certainly in the mix i think to play a decent amount as a rookie 
These situations are complicated by the fact that it's not just the quarterback where we have a battle. They're strange teams where they have some interesting guys. Certainly with the Jets, you have Robbie Anderson. With the Cardinals, you have the legend Larry Fitzgerald. (laughs) But beyond that, we also have battles for the number two, number three wide receiver positions, especially with Arizona having Christian Kirk and the potential that he jumps in right away. The beat writers, the folks covering the Cardinals, are not necessarily projecting that, but it's hard when you've watched the team and you know what Kirk brings to the table to think that he will not have an early season impact. What do you see from these teams in, and just how much is up in the air when we have so much of the passing game uncertain at this point? Uh, when we look at the Cardinals in particular, and you mentioned Kirk, I think out of the rookie receivers, I think he has the most likelihood to have that early impact uh, that you kind of touched on there. But the, the Cardinals are so much up in the air because it's both young players and unestablished players outside of Larry Fitzgerald, even at the tight end position. Uh, you know, you have Ricky Seals Jones and, you know, Bradford for, if I was putting my money on it right now, outside of injury, Bradford has to be the starter for this team. Uh, I think teams are starting to realize again a little bit that given the the quarterback a little bit of time to to progress and sit behind a veteran is the right decision i think you know for all josh mccown's flaws as well uh, with the jets i think it makes more sense for the team to start him early in the season uh, in my opinion like the jets they're not going to the super bowl so it makes perfect sense to, to do that a little bit of development but when you look i think there's a more clear case of who the wide receivers are going to be in new york versus who the wide receivers outside of uh, Fitzgerald and Cork are going to be with the Cardinals you know Terrell Pryor had a bit of a bust last year uh, there's no doubt about that with the Washington Redskins Curse I thought done well after he came over from the Seattle Seahawks Anunua had the neck injury so there's just there's a lot of questions if Anunua comes back healthy somebody who I really like uh, this year from a fantasy perspective but uh, like you said very very much up in the air on both teams and you know we have to I think they're both situations where it just has to shake out a little at this stage uh, outside of Kirk outside of Fitzgerald and I think outside of uh, you know Robbie Anderson even I, I'm a big Robbie Anderson fan but his uh, legal issues as well just put it all up in the air is have you clarity on this Sean or is it one that you're waiting to see what happens if you're drafting at this stage they're kind of areas that unless I'm taking late flyers on them I'm kind of staying away from Anderson is a guy that I have been targeting in every league. He's got that profile where he was actually better in college than people realize, even though he did not come to the NFL um, as any type of, of priority in the draft. But then when you look at his early production, certainly last year, he's got that elite vertical production. The team is is talking him up as someone who could even have a secondary breakout. So someone who goes from that wide receiver two area, perhaps even to the cusp of stardom so you have this deshaun jackson type of player who you know if he can emerge if he can add those other things to his game has this potential to to really be a league winner i think you want to attack him because that specter of a suspension which almost everyone believes will either not occur or will be pretty minimal in which case at his adp you're not even necessarily planning to start him in week one um if that's knocking him down to an area where you can get him with a bunch of other players who are more wide receiver three, wide receiver four, uh, even if they're in your starting lineup, they're more depth plays or emergency plays. Uh, you know, Anderson, you really want to target there, especially because while the depth chart is definitely in flux behind him, there's no one on that team who's going to challenge him if he's what he was before and what the Jets are saying he's going to be in the future. I think when you have actually a little bit more of a track record with him stretching back to uh, this time in college that tends to disappear a little bit more of a track record in terms of being an elite athlete, there's nothing fluky about this vertical performance that he's shown. So with that being the case, these other guys 
definitely fighting for crumbs. And it really then depends almost solely on whether he gets any sort of competent quarterback play and whether it's McCown who allowed him to have a good season last year or the rookie who I think will come in and, and have this sort of gunslinging mentality. You mentioned the Jets, you know, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. They're in uh, this rebuilding year. I don't think that they're going to put the handcuffs on Darnold because they don't need to. You know, it's not something where you want to be what the Chicago Bears were last year, where you don't really use your early rookie. You make him hand the ball off and then everybody gets fired, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to show that he can develop, show that he can make these throws, that he can make the offense dynamic. Uh, if you throw interceptions, that just leads to more passing plays later in the game. And so I think when you have that type of environment, Anderson makes for an incredible play later in drafts. Yeah, and when you look at what he did last year, kind of week eight uh, through week 13, he just had a phenomenal spell where the, the worst game in that spell from was four for 48 and a touchdown. And like he had, you know, six for 107 and a touchdown. He had an incredible game against the Panthers, six for 146 uh, and two touchdowns. And if you look as well, his depth of target throughout uh, the majority of his games last season, some of them hitting into the, you know, 20s, you know, m- many of them in the high teens. So he's getting used kind of all over the, the formation, but he's getting a lot of those deep sideline targets. and. Uh, somebody who last year in dynasty leagues i was able to get in so many leagues as a, a free waiver wire ad in the preseason so somebody I, i'm hoping i'm hoping you're right and i'm rooting for you rooting for your prediction to come true there sean and i think as well uh, if it is a suspension i think the max we're going to see is two games but as it's dragged on so long i think we or it's possible that nothing comes off it at this stage i want to let the listeners know that uh, our good friends over at the ffpc who are covering this show for us uh, there's a home of season long high stakes fantasy football the 2017 nfl season is almost here but the ffpc has a league to suit every diehard's interest and budget whether it's dynasty baseball superflex so many different leagues up there and they're starting from just 35 dollars. so you can jump into a league today don't miss out on the ffp experience and you can go over there to my ffpc register now and that's going to get you up and running for the season and i want to let you know as well i teased it at the start the 35 dollar free entry uh, you can get that by heading on over and written and reviewing our podcast channel on itunes that is rotoviz radio do that and you'll be eligible to win a free 35 dollar entry into an ffpc league and uh, leave a written and review with your name on it on over there at itunes and that will get you entered into our draw we'll be announcing the winner of that on next week's show We've had a lot of interest into in the listener leagues, and uh, I can tell you there's so many of our RV guys involved in it. I sent out the message to see who wanted to play against the listeners, and uh, to be honest, I, I was kind of overwhelmed by the amount of people coming in. I think we have uh, 12 RV guys, and we've had uh, a lot of people coming in with the listeners. So we're getting those leagues set up, so if you're interested in jumping aboard in one of them, send me an email at rotavizradio at gmail.com, and we'll get that league set up over the next kind of two to three weeks so we get things up and going. It's a $35 best ball league. So with that said, Sean, I guess we'll bounce on into the next topic and we're going to talk a little bit about game flows and in particular at the running back position. Is there anyone that has really stood out for you that you wanted to I'll let you have the first crack at it? Yeah, well, we're starting off here and we're kind of referencing or building off of an excellent article that Hassan Rahim has written for the site. So you you certainly want to click over there and check out what he's done. He's got a lot more detail and texture even than what we're going to be able to talk about on the show all the stats, you know, tables really gives you a lot of information there. The game flow on the running backs is really interesting. And, and going through these numbers today, it struck me that, that one of the things that's interesting about it is that you have this idea of targets when a team is, is ahead, when they're tied, when they're trailing. Obviously, we know that targets when a running back 
uh, is trailing what we sometimes see as, as garbage time production, that those targets can be a little more fragile than some of these other more game flow neutral situations. On the other hand, it also jumped out to me that for some of these guys, like we mentioned earlier with Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde, and you can see this also when you look at their carry situation and how many of their carries occurred when they were either ahead or behind. And most of the running back uh, carries, attempts, rushing attempts, come when a running when a team is either tied or ahead. But then you look at some of these teams that were always behind, and, and you do find that they had plenty of carries in that situation because that was the only situation. So we do want to consider how good or bad a team was as well. And the quality of a team will jump out at you right here at the beginning. When we look at the NFL leaders in targets, when their team was tied or ahead. And this will come as no surprise, but the big stars, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, certainly those top two guys with 74 and 67 targets when their team was tied or ahead. These were the the four guys who had 55 or more targets in this situation. Todd Gurley led the entire NFL with 49 while the Rams were leading. So one of the things that I think this really helps us see is that while we don't necessarily expect the total workload for someone like Le'Veon Bell to be sustainable, although he has done it for a number of years now, we don't necessarily expect the workload and certainly the efficiency for Todd Gurley to be sustainable. The fact that they had so many of these extremely high value touches in situations where their team didn't necessarily need to call the play that way. They weren't forced to. They did this out of their own on their own option i think that is something that really helps give us comfort when we're taking these guys in the top two or three picks to realize the floor is extremely high even if for whatever reason you're skeptical of some of the things that they've done or if their seasons are repeatable yeah and when you look at you mentioned Gurley, for example it's his uh percentage of targets when the team was behind was only 14.9 percent of his targets then when they were ahead he had 37.9 percent of his targets so usually you'd be expecting the team you know when they're trailing they'd be trying to get the ball to the running back a lot more through the air and you know even i think for particularly in todd Gurley's case if they have a regression this year which i'm expecting the rams not to uh you know win as many games as they have i think that could actually work in his favor in terms of the passing game because he proved last year just how efficient he can be and then when the team's behind i think there's a possibility to get those uh, additional targets do you think that's something that could happen with Gurley? you know we talk about the efficiency that he has had last season but you know if the team is a little less productive do you think that could even enhance his value this year certainly if it if it shifts a little bit of the touch profile from attempts which tend to be lower value to targets which tend to be higher value that could help him jump even more the thing that you might worry about a little bit there and you might worry about a little bit with Kamara as well is that both Gurley and Kamara averaged more than three fantasy points per game above expectation purely in the receiving game So both of these guys, if their offenses are a little bit less dynamic or if they're throwing to them in situations where the defense is actually expecting that, we might see these efficiency levels drop. So one of the things that everyone talks about with the Saints team and certainly with their almost transcendent rookie last year is that his efficiency numbers were so gaudy and so uh, unrealistic that he won't be able to sustain them. And that's true. Uh, However, with the, the Saints situation it may not be as big of a concern 
as many people believe, especially when we're seeing that he's getting these touches in situations where we would expect the touches at least to continue. And almost certainly, especially now with the suspension for Ingram to increase. The other thing that we see with a couple other guys who I think are more below the radar and are not necessarily considered to be as big a risks in that category, but you see Todd Gurley, you see Ezekiel Elliott, other guys who uh, are benefiting from this very efficient performance. And so when we're looking at one player in Camara and being concerned about the efficiency, we definitely need to consider that for some of our other players uh, in that first round as well. And that's one of the areas where Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, when they had their incredible 2016 seasons, and then obviously Bell followed it up again in 2017, their expected point levels were so high and their efficiency levels were not as explosive. So when you're looking at the floors, at least for those players, we might be a little bit more comfortable with Bell and with Johnson. Although, as we talked about earlier, it's a real concern for Johnson that his offense with all of the uncertainty in the passing game uh, will not do as much for him there as maybe it did two years ago when we look then at some players you know when you mentioned Hassan's work in the chart and looking through it it's just everything's so uh, interactive and I'm just playing with it here in the background as we talk through the show but somebody who's quite interesting is uh, James White who comes up as the ninth overall running back in terms of receptions last year finishing with 72 just behind LaShawn McCoy but I'm quite interested in his usage across the board it's pretty much you know between 20 to 25 percent across the board I'd say when they were down by more than 10 points and we all know that the Patriots weren't down by more than 10 points in many games last season and somebody who a lot of people are starting to look into this year and this is another camp battle that we might touch a little bit more on next week but that is the Patriots running back situation but James White is kind of the the third talked about running back in this group but when we look at what he did uh, last year with those 72 receptions and pretty much even uh, splits across the board with those receptions in terms of when they happened uh, is he somebody you think has been undervalued in this group uh, and I guess I mentioned we'll get into it more next week but uh, do you think that's something that's been overlooked he could be when you see that he comes in fifth in the NFL in terms of targets when his team is again either tied or leading that really jumps out to you because you're thinking of James White okay we have the Patriots and we have this narrative that there are certain games where the uh, grinding running back gets all the touches and then there are other games where the receiving back gets all the touches and now we're moving into an environment where they may have multiple guys uh, with more hybrid more flexible types of profiles and certainly with the high profile running back acquisition with Rex Burkhead coming back and having shown that <laughs> only a few games that he was actually healthy last year that that he was able to do exactly what they signed him to do there's concern that white will be pushed out altogether i think when you realize that he's someone who actually is used heavily in the passing game when the patriots are leading that that gives you a lot more confidence to go ahead and use a late round pick on him because he's not someone who needs the patriots to be in this sort of unrealistic scenario for them which is to be trailing late they don't trail late yet White is still very involved. I think that you're going to see some of those other running backs really competing for what you might consider the lower value touches. Now, obviously, the goal line carries are, are very high value. But when you're talking about those touches between the, the 20s, um, and, and certainly carries between the 20s that don't directly translate into fantasy points, um, certainly in, in any type of short term, uh, White might be a great alternative and certainly a much cheaper alternative than some of the other guys in that backfield. 
Yeah, and uh, it's just a fantastic piece by Hassan, and it's over there on rotoviz.com. And I want to let the listeners know as well, as a listener to the podcast, you can save yourself 30% off an NFL pass right now over there at rotoviz.com. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage, that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast, and your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our NFL content and tools. And best of all, it helps support the pod. So to get the 30% discount, head on over now to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast, signs you up for everything through the 2018 season. And like Hassan is that up in the apps that Dave Cabin's working on. Uh, there's just so much stuff, and I'm so excited for this season over there at Rotoviz to get you ready. When we're looking at the stuff up on Rotoviz this week, there's a lot of talk of deep sleepers. We're going through all 32 teams, and there's a lot of them that have me uh, pretty interested. Uh, I covered the Packers myself, and uh, it hasn't gone up on the site yet, but it'll be up in the next couple of days. But a couple of them that have caught my eye, and I'm interested to see what you think on them, Sean, and that is Neil Dutton has talked about Darren Sproles, who I think has pretty much been, throughout his career, has remained a deep sleeper. There's probably some people that still don't uh, realize that he's still in the NFL after missing the season last year, the majority of a true injury. The other one that I'm intrigued by is Ryan Grant, who has gone off the board in uh, best ball leagues at the moment and NFL or MFL 10s. He's gone off the board at wide receiver 95. So he's somebody who, if luck is healthy, and then we have the situation with T.Y. Hilton being the main target, uh, there's a lot of opportunity behind that and it's just if we can see grant catching on uh, there is opportunity the other one is jesse james and he is pretty much undrafted across all formats at the minute vance mcdonald was signed by the team to a 19.6 million dollar contract last off season so i think it's a situation where vance mcdonald is like you know one of the the workout warriors and we've seen glimpses of it but we've actually seen jesse james produce as well and we've seen roethlisberger luck his way so there are three guys that i'm going to talk a little bit more in a second about but is there any of them that stand out more to you than the other two they're just ones that really caught my eye in this deep sleepers piece well ryan grant becomes very interesting if andrew luck is actually healthy so this offense really has almost nothing beyond ty hilton right they're definitely going to be trying out a couple of unproven running backs certainly that's one of the most interesting running back battles because the winner projects to have really uh, explosive upside and maybe even the loser has good upside in that situation in part because they don't have the rest of the receiving positions figured out. So they have the two tight ends now who may battle, may play simultaneously. Uh, you could actually have value from both of the tight end positions, which would be interesting in this situation where the wide receivers don't jump out. But Ryan Grant is going to be in there with Chester Rogers for that number two receiving role. And the winner of that battle, although they're not necessarily going to be directly in competition for the types of targets that the luck will be looking to throw, Certainly, if, if one of them jumps out and really develops a strong rapport there, I think you could get, um, you know, not league-winning value. These, these aren't players who are going to, uh, at, at the end of the year, be someone who has, you know, the 35% win rate or, or anything uh, like that. However, when you're getting later into the season, you're getting into the buy time period, you know, you hear constantly that wide receiver is extremely deep. Uh, Dave and I talked on Rotoviz Radio yesterday about how that isn't necessarily the case. And certainly you could be looking to fill in your wide receiver three position or your flex position. And Grant becomes much more interesting, I think, in that environment. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, if you look at the deep sleepers pieces that we have up, they are really deep sleepers and you're really at the end of those drafts. But as I mentioned with Grant, he's somebody who's going at the end of drafts, but has, you know, there's it's, you, the other ones you have to make a case that this happens, this happens, and this happens. But in, in his case, in Grant's case, all that pretty much has to happen is that 
he outplays Chester Rogers over the preseason and then he's the the number two target on this team with Andrew Luck at quarterback and you know the signs are starting to get a little bit more positive with Luck there but even if you look at opportunity if it isn't Luck and you know if we're sitting again with Jacoby Brissett if you're this wide receiver two on a team you're still going to have those opportunities and Grant hasn't done a huge amount in his career but he is coming off a season with 45 grabs for 573 yards uh, so you know there is there is a, an opportunity for him to break out a little bit this season and out of those three that i mentioned he's definitely the one that i'm trying to get on my rosters and it's it's not all that hard you know if you're in the 18th 19th round to to grab him in there and get him on your teams uh sproles is always the interesting one just uh, a little bit older but that's again if you're going the zero rb and trying to get those pass catching uh, opportunities and there is somebody who just seems to continue forever but coming off the injury would be a concern I have to say, though, Ryan Grant, the more I talk about him, the more excited I get about him. And uh, he's going to end up on a lot of my rosters. But, Sean, is there any other uh, deep sleepers that you have your eye on? Or are we going to save those ones for next week? I know we're going to hit on some more deep sleepers and uh, more camp battles as we move forward here. Yeah, well, a player, I think, who has been mentioned in some of our articles, some of our late round running back articles, who would qualify as maybe not a, a super deep sleeper, but definitely someone who's going later in drafts and is generating interest especially because the broncos just announced that um or, or mentioned you know in in answer to some of these training camp questions that Devonte booker would potentially begin at the head of this committee so they've announced that they're going to use a committee try and involve multiple players try and run um, an offense that works similarly to what the new orleans saints did last year and that within that environment Booker may be the, the guy with the first shot. Now, I mentioned him to say again that I think we really want to consider Royce Freeman in this situation and that if you own Freeman or are hoping to land Freeman in your leagues, I think instead of being concerned about this news, you have to be grateful for it because it knocks his ADP slightly or at least keeps it from continuing to rise, which I think is really the nightmare scenario that it can move from that fifth, sixth round, you know, all the way up into the third, fourth round because Freeman is not the the perfect match, but he's a discount Le'Veon Bell, a discount um, David Johnson in terms of a big back with elite agility and just fantastic college production so you take that you compare it to Devonte booker who has struggled through a couple of years in the nfl and i wanted to bring up hassan's article again one more time because one of the cool things that you can see in it is that there are two backs who come out as i think big red flags one is Kenyon drake who saw 37 of his 45 targets while the team was trailing but Devonte booker 33 of his 37 targets were when the Broncos were behind. Now, again, this doesn't necessarily mean that he can't be a good back or they, they might not trail again. But when you're looking at him being someone who was really forced into that receiving volume, I, I don't expect him to have the receiving workload. That's one of the arguments for him is that he'll be the receiving back. Obviously, those receptions are more valuable. Freeman, I think, is going to cut into that. And if we look at this Broncos team as a team that could quickly jump back to being a Minnesota Vikings type of team where now they have Case Keenum, they have those established receivers, they have this strong defense. I think you want to look to the back who is going to emerge as the bell cow there and not get pushed off of Royce Freeman for your deep sleeper in Devontae Booker. 
Yeah, and I also think uh, when you mentioned it there, it kind of can save his value because we see it every offseason at this stage. The rookie ADP starts off maybe in that fifth round and then it goes to the fourth and then it goes to the third. We've seen it with uh, Christian McCaffrey last year. We've seen it with Leonard Fournette that some of them even were sneaking into the end of the first round come the end of draft season. So it's an interesting piece of news. And again, you know, with that later ADP as well, you can always try and get that handcuff if necessary later on in the draft. But that's really going to do us for today's edition of the show. I did mention earlier what the FF pc entry head on over to itunes leave us a written interview on the road of his radio channel there and you will be entered and with that sean all that's left to say is you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my name is colin kelly sean's on twitter at ff contrarian keep on checking out rotaviz.com have a good one Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. Please rate and review the podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now, listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold-cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub, drink, and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community.